sand through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to the longest days of our lives, a 24 fan cast. It is day two, hour eight, and I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer, super fan, and nailed that intro, Mike Cushing. And I'm another one of your hosts, 24 newbie, Curtis Perry. And I'm your third and final host, Michael Howard. Well, boys, how are you? How How's, how's this day of 24? This day for me is good. This day for some other people in this episode, not so good. Some shit goes down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some folks had some folks had a had a real bad day. Real bad experiences happened. But mm-hmm. uh, we got to get there. We're gonna get There's there. A lot of it's a, it's to get it's there. a journey. Mm-hmm. A lot of talking and thanking. You know. They they say it's it's not the destination that matters. It's the journey. The journey here is kind of shitty. It's just it's yeah. Just it depends on the where you're going. Is talking <laughs> way too much, considering there is a nuclear bomb that they have no idea when it's going to go off. The journey is also for for me, and I I, I don't want to speak for you fellows. The journey is too much, Kim, mm. in this episode. Mm. Too much I was Kim very proud of her much... at the beginning, though. Very, she had some proud. moments. She had some moments in this where she actually was a good Kim. She did not spill the nuclear beans immediately. She did, but she ultimately she ultimately had a fail mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to say this as well. Also, too much uh, Marie Warner. Mm. And she only appeared in one scene walking into CTU. Still too much. Nope. Nope. Yep. <laughs> too much of her. None. Um, None is the right answer. <laughs> I will say it was nice after last week. There was barely any Kim. Then there was more Kim in this one. And yeah, she did spill those b- big bad nuclear beans. I wish she just died. Can I say <laughs> that? She just wasn't here. I think I thought we said that last season. Oh yeah. Hey, guess what? Switch, Curtis? You switch Terry with with Kim. It uh, very bad news better. for you. No, actually, good news. You'll never say it again after this episode because she dies in the first scene of the next one. She's just you know how I know dead. That's that's not true, Kush. Hmm. How's that? Because she has yet to go to Cougar Town. Um, oh, man. So that I know is that true. She live. has not yet met Courtney Cox. <laughs> Shit. He just he, he recounts really that weird. beautiful memory. If they, if, they, if they killed Kim and then had a time jump of, like, what is it, like seven years, and Megan is, is the new Kim played by Alicia Cuthbert. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, Shit. <laughs> Fuck. Well, hey, Curtis, you you can't you can't prove that doesn't happen in this season. <laughs> so, damn. I'm hoping they still have the same day in this season. You can't just jump seven years ahead and be like same twenty four. I mean, the premise of the show is that it just happens in real time. Every hour is one hour in a a day, not a specific day. <laughs> So that would be a really, it, <laughs> really shitty show. You're like, oh, oh, everything happened before this hour. Sorry, we're gonna skip to a different hour. Now it's June 14th, 2020. Yeah. Also, President they just kind of lost Keith Palmer. Keith Palmer. <laughs> they kind of just no. lost the bomb for seven years. They just people didn't know where it went, which actually kind of happens in this episode. <laughs> it does. That it does. I like it. Okay, so let's get into it. So uh, last week, uh, Bob Warner and Ray Zanier were were both 
brought to see to you by Tony Almeida for further questioning. Um, Kim Bauer and her boyfriend Miguel were apprehended for murder after they got stopped for speeding and a cop discovered a dead body of Carla, uh, Gary Matheson's wife and Megan Matheson's mother in the back of the uh, back of the car. Uh, Sherry Palmer has showed up and we got some special access from from uh, her husband, David, the president. And uh, Jack and Nina conducted a super sweet, highly tactical raid on a terrorist, Mahmoud Fahin, and uh, they captured him. And uh, Jack is about to interrogate that bad boy. Um, and also the president's uh, ex- <laughs> rendition of Ron Whelan, the journalist, uh, is starting to come to a head. People are starting to begin to notice that Mr. Ron Whelan has been kidnapped, possibly. He's just not here, and they want to know where he is. So um, we open up at the 3 o'clock hour, and uh, we see at the site of Gary Methon's car, Kim and Miguel are still on the ground, surrounded by California Highway Patrol. And uh, Officer Brown, the kind of ginger fellow, starts to ask Kim and Miguel, like, what are they doing? What are they doing with the Gary Methon's vehicle? And they try to explain that Carla was beaten to death by her husband and there's ongoing abuse and they just really wanted to get Megan out of that situation and they had to go get out of LA and they can't go back. Don't ask me why. Please don't, don't ask me why. I can't do tell you. not ask me why. I literally cannot tell you. But we <laughs> had to get her out of this situation which involved getting to not LA. I, I can't tell. Like She said it so many times in this episode like you can't go back to LA. It's dangerous. It's like as a cop, I feel I have to feel like you'd be like, "Yeah, I know." Tell it, people people die there. It's fine. But if they caught her twenty miles outside of L.A., I I mean, I realize it's the the chips, the California Highway Patrol. But like, why would they have taken her back to L.A.? Wouldn't they have just taken her to a closer station where the murder is? It depends on yeah. if they're working in the L.A. County. Maybe I don't know. Um, I mean, the car was stolen in L.A. They don't know that though. So, yeah, I, I don't guess, know. and also. The girl's father is in L.A. I feel like that. That's definitely part. And like throughout the whole episode, Kim is like, you can't take Megan there, which. Fuck you, Miguel. Take him. Yeah. Just Miguel can go back. And also, he probably has family there. They can die. Don't really care. Mm. Um, but yeah, so yeah. this just starts a whole chain of Officer Brown just sort of listening to Kim. Like he seems interested. He seems open to why a, a tiny white girl might have murdered a tiny white woman. Um, but doesn't really, he's, he basically tells him to pack it up and, uh, they throw him in the car and, uh, Miguel is taken away by another officer to a different car. So Miguel's in one car, Megan's or Kim is in another, Megan is kind of elsewhere. We don't really know where another Kim's cop might have also in the front seat of a patrol car, which is weird. Yeah. Do you, is there special white girl privilege I assume in a, so. in a cop car? I, I know there is in general. I don't know what, it, what the rules yeah. are when it comes to cop cars. Yeah, I had to sit in the back of a cop car when I got into an accident, and they wanted me to fill out some paperwork. So <laughs> I'm gonna go with yeah, yeah. Kim, Kim gets a little, little nice treatment. So must be nice. I want her to sit back in the back seat <laughs> with all the urine and stuff, you know? Yeah. Good God. All right. So then we cut the CTU, and guys, I, I, I do have to apologize. I did not get a chance to take my normal 12 pages of notes, so I ain't gonna lean on you guys to help fill in some stuff. So are there are any straight thoughts? Please throw them at me. Well, fucking, um, I know what happens is they all, all the, the Warner crew all walks in the CTU. 
Like, they own the goddamn there's, place. Mm-hmm. There's fucking Marie asking if it's safe. Yeah, like, and, and, like, Bob Warner asks, like, oh, this is the building that got bombed earlier today, right? And you're like, yeah, Bob. You see all those scorch marks and dead people lying around? Like, yeah, this is the place that got bombed. Yeah, don't they uh, give, uh, they give an updated death toll, too? It's like 30, 30 people. Yeah. Uh, two people still in critical condition, so it could be, could be 32 people, so, eh, got, got quite a bit of them. Yeah, and, and, uh, and that's formerly that Paula did. Yeah, Paula so did. Tony asks, what about Paula? And Michelle, Michelle just kind of shakes, does the old, no, head shake, mm. can't speak, too too overcome by sadness, which hits Tony pretty badly. Um, I mean, he and brought her Bob, there. I couldn't imagine how that feels. So Yeah, he recruited her to, to CTU, which, again, feels weird because she said she wanted to be there for two years, so it seems like she had been kind of through a, round, a couple of rounds of interviews, but Tony says he brought her in, so <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then... So we talked a little bit last week about Bob kind of seeming like he knew more about the situation than he should. And he kind of says, hey, Tony, I need to speak with you like man to federal agent. Like, I I know something you don't know. I need to talk with you. And, and Tony like, says, yeah, uh, yeah, that's why we brought you in here. Yeah, I know. Talk. We need to. I also plan on talking with you. Yeah. Um, so sit down. We'll talk later. Um, gonna have to talk also, to they're buddy. just like they're just like very casual here. Like he he brought them into CTU for questioning, and they're just kind of allowed to roam a little bit. Yeah, at no point, like, at no point is like Reza. Like there's a scene later in the in the episode where like Reza and Marie are just like lounging around on a desk, and like Reza is not handcuffed, nothing, and it doesn't really work out for him because George Mason shows up on the scene, but like. Mm-hmm. They're just chilling. Like no one's in trouble here, which is very odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they weren't formally under arrest, right? So they don't know who's telling the truth, who's lying. But still, um, maybe don't let folks wander around. That's how Terry got dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yep. maybe keep some also, folks just in the a, rooms you wanted to be in. You have a nuclear threat that no one is supposed to know about outside the right. room, and, and they're like, just wandering. And like, there have to be screens up. You're like this nuke. In L.A. is maybe going off today. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, well, speaking of they don't really know he's telling the truth. Um, Tony walks over after learning that uh, Paula died from Michelle. He walks over to uh, his boss, old G. Mace, and he tells him what's going on and says that uh, Reza and Bob are contradicting each other. And he doesn't really know who's telling the truth, but they're definitely connected to Syed Ali. And he says, how hard can I push them? And what does what does George say? <laughs> Doesn't to push him as hard as he needs to. Uh, this is including bamboo under the fingernails. Yeah, he should put bamboo underneath their put he bamboo just, shoots underneath just, their fingernails. He if you have to. Okay's the old torture. Yeah, enhanced interrogation, just torture, uh-huh. just straight Get up, friend, straight up torture. Uh, in the middle of <laughs> the CTU office, like I don't know, kind of set up a set up a desk, go to town. I'm gonna um, die anyways. Who cares? So yeah, George. It's the first time that George is like leaning into the Jack Bauer influence on CTU. And like, I think he's really accepting his fate. That's just like, shit. Now it's time to just get any, like last week he said that the guy might be a little crazy about Jack, but he gets results. And I think it's, I think George is realizing that sometimes you have to be a little crazy to get results. And he's, he goes full Bauer in this episode. He does not go full Bauer, (laughs) not full Bauer. Because he takes There's off his no jacket. No towels in the tum tum. That's true. He, he does take <laughs> off his jacket. 
because you could t- he wanted to be comfortable when he was like you know infringing on on certain rights and freedoms um which i get but we get but a tiny clock about it, it is no he he looked resigned and determined which i really appreciated yeah, yeah. jack jack's jack's happy about it when he does yeah. it. That, that's going full bower just yeah. that's when you enjoy your enjoying your job just oh yeah sweet torture time yeah, so Mason and just takes a taste of that Bauer G. He he got he got some some Bauer two in him, the the low carb version of of Bauer Aid, and then he just really kind of went to town. <laughs> so, uh, so we get a tiny clock. It is three o four. Please take a drink, and we cut to the Enrock where uh, George Stanton is uh, talking with an agent named Henderson and the Attorney General. They're setting up a conference call, and uh, then he asks Lynn Kresge, the president's aide about Sherry Palmer being at the OC and asking why the fuck she's there and why does she have provisional status and extra super duper clearance from the president. And um, Lynn just says, well, you know, the president, they keep saying he invoked executive privilege, which like it's a, like an actual like, statute that he <laughs> yeah. like enacted. It's like, I invoke executive privilege and I can do whatever I want now rather he than put just... his staff into the ground. <laughs> yeah. I invoke it. Um, and it's he asked if she's okay. Wow. <laughs> Can you release executive privilege, bro? Come on. <laughs> Is this an official executive privilege or is he just having fun? Shit. Um, and uh, he asked if she's okay with Sherry Palmer being there after her and Sherry had a little showdown last week. And Lynn just says, I'm okay with it for now. If it becomes a problem, I'll talk to the president. And, uh, Why do you and Roger just here? says... Roger said, what does Roger say? I'll tell you. He just says, the mere fact that that Sherry is his ex-wife makes it a problem, Mm -hmm. which to me makes a lot of sense. So speaking of that problem, (laughs) we cut to Sherry on the phone, and she's just wrapping up a phone call with someone named Sandra, who we find out is one of Ron Whelan's coworkers, Ron Whelan being the journalist who David has super duper wrongfully imprisoned to keep the story about the nuke from leaking uh, to the press and um there's a precedent for it gosh so yeah we hear that no one again no one has really expounded on the precedent for <laughs> detaining journalists yeah i'm waiting for that one yeah i um, i am super curious actually if anyone knows about that precedent <laughs> please email us at goodbuddymedia@gmail.com because i am dying to know more um, yeah, and if, if you do know, please, for the love of God, keep it off of Twitter because we don't want a certain person actually reading it. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> Just send might us that actually, email, we'll be all right. The entire Washington Post staff has disappeared. <laughs> Somehow they all walked into the White House at the same time, and then I don't know who knows where they went. Um, so, Punch was Sherry, <laughs> Uh, so Sherry hangs up and then she walks over to David to ask him what's going on with Ron Whelan. And she already seems to know more about Ron than she should, given that no one else knows about Ron. And, um, he basically tells her that, oh yeah, no, I definitely had that man kidnapped by, uh, Armas, the federal agent, because he was about to go public with rumors of some sort of terrorist attack. And they haven't told her. Has he told she, her that there's a nuke yet? No, I don't think she knows the nope. specifics because okay. uh-uh. because she actually says it to Ron later that 
once you talk with the president and when oh, she confronts right. him, he yeah. she tells him, you'll know more than me. Right. Which I don't think is the case. I think Sherry is I think Sherry behind the scenes is low key, fully up to date on everything going on today. Yeah, um, we could, we yeah. could also talk about this later, but the deal that she tries to make with Ron Wheeland is absurd. Bad? It's very bad. It's very bad. Correct. It's very absurd. It is just beyond anything that it's probably the most unrealistic thing that anyone's ever said in this show. And I think she knows it. And so the final thing that happens to in the Palmer storyline this episode, I have some thoughts. We'll get into it. Um, so basically, Sherry offers to speak to Wyland herself. Like Sherry says, hey, what if what if I can talk to this guy? What if I charm him a little bit? Turn on that old <laughs> classic Sherry Palmer charm. Use that use that wit of hers? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> the wit and reason. Um and uh David agrees. He God, says, okay. Such a stupid Well, so first no, first he, he goes over kind of what she's gonna offer him, right? And and Cherry says, I'm gonna give him an exclusive. And David says, I already tried that. And tried so it. so she's just like, I know him better than you do, David. I've always been great with the press. Let me do this. And so David wants her to go over what she's going to offer. So he, he he tells her to walk me through what you're going to offer him. And then we we cut away, knowing that he's going to say yes. Whatever <sighs> Sherry is, is like, going to throw out there. So She was so weird in this scene that like I don't understand if she's, if they're just laying on, laying it on so thick because they think we're stupid and we're not going to get that she's kind of manipulative or if she just is supposed to be that over the top. She's weird the whole episode. Also kind of sexual. To be fair. Where she's uh, like, I know him better than you. I'll charm him. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's it, also... It was, a little, it was a little weird. <laughs> I mean, that's all, that's kind of Sherry's... The way they're writing Sherry's character this season, it didn't seem to be that way in season one. But she's she's sexual and like really aggressive towards everyone around David in kind of a sexual way. Like even Lynn... It seemed like a sexually motivated sort of power play mm-hmm. uh, right. towards like, like why she was close to David. Yeah, and then and then but well, yeah. And the last the last thing we got to talk about because it it comes back around to that I think. Um, yeah, from David's perspective. So I, I it was an interesting way that they kind of framed because yeah, that's what I the vibe I got from her was am I supposed to be turned on right now? Like what's going on? <laughs> Is she gonna yeah. fuck Ron Whelan so. in the holding cell? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And hey, I think she kind of did, and we'll get to that. Um, okay, so <laughs> after that, we cut to back to the crime scene of Gary Rathman's car, where uh, the chips are prepared to take. Uh, I hate that I said that. Uh, prepared to take Kim, Miguel, and Megan back to L.A. And Kim says, "We can't. It's not safe." But they ask her why it's not safe, and she doesn't say anything, uh, which is a moment of shocking clarity from Kim that she shouldn't tell nine officers of the law that there's a nuclear bomb going off because if I was a, a cop, my first question would be like, okay, well, how do you know that? Are you a terrorist? <laughs> yeah, and Miguel yeah. kind of makes a good point where he's like, she's like, my dad told me I can't tell anyone. I'm not supposed to tell anyone. And Miguel says, yeah, he didn't know you were going to be arrested for murder, though. Yeah. Also, he's not Code my dad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know your father. I'm out of here. Like I just want to. I just want to not go to jail today. So yeah. there's a nuke, especially y'all. not in L.A. Because if I'm gonna get blown up, it's not gonna be in a jail cell. Hell no. Hell no. That's the worst place. 
so basically, so Miguel suggests that also is like, hey, also, if they don't believe you, just tell them to call your goddamn dad at CTU, the counterterrorism unit, which, again, last season, no one actually knew was a thing. And apparently everyone's just like, oh, yeah, totally. But so everyone is apparently aware of CTU, but no one wants to call them. Like, even later in this episode, Officer Brown is just like, oh, patch me to the FBI. Shithead, you knew about CTU. <laughs> the front desk at CTU is just, there's a lady there who just, she's really annoying. She's bad to talk she to. Just, yeah, or, she just tells you all her stories. Her. Yeah, nobody yeah. wants to talk to that lady. He's a pain yeah. in the butt. God damn it. Like she's like Mrs. Landingham <laughs> in the West Wing. She's going to talk your ear off. Courtesy, don't get that reference. I don't, um, I don't know who Mrs. Landingham is. She sounds like a nice lady. Um, she is so, she's her. the nicest lady. You're gonna love her for every single season of The West Wing. Mm, West Wing in it. It's coming, y'all. Yeah. So they're West separated. What? Oh, West Wing mm. it. Hello. I don't know about. Now you're getting pause too the far. Podcast. Pause the podcast. <laughs> I am comfortably aroused. Um, we, ain't just, we ain't slanging that thing. That's dangerous. Okay. Well, wind that thing. I ain't slanging nothing around here. <laughs> they're kids we're okay. responsible about it um so kim <laughs> now tells once they're separated so kim is in a new car miguel's in one finally uh so kim tells officer brown that her father works at ctu and that he needs to contact jack bauer for an explanation and uh, he's just like uh-huh yeah sure i'll and again kim is in the front seat which is very odd and he says yeah we'll contact him after you've been processed at the station and uh, we get a tiny clock. It is 3.08. Please take a drink. We are uh, in Vesalia in the antique store. And Nina is questioning Mahmoud Fahin about who he's working with. But uh, Fahin just won't answer. Won't say anything. And after multiple failed, failed starts, Jack just says, we're fucking done. And he pulls Nina and Fahin apart. And uh, what happens here? Jack... Basically just tries to tell Nina that she's worthless and <laughs> dead to him. And the FBI agents are like, uh, nah. Yeah, Jack is like, okay, you take Fahin back to L.A. Uh, I'm going to get in this car with Nina and I will see you guys there. <laughs> yeah. And he says, wait, no, I'll ride with you. He's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I've got this. Yeah, it's my, It's fine. I got it's, it. It's, don't worry about Everything's it. Gonna be and fine, he gets you into guys. like a I'll shoving match. You. Sorry, yeah. Curtis, go ahead. No, he pushes her in the car and it's just like, Jack, you can't do that. You know, it'll be fine. We're going to be okay. I'll see, we'll see you guys later. I promise it's you funny, like, the right. whole time Nina is just yelling, it's like, I think she actually says, I have a piece of paper signed by the president. Yeah. It's like, he can't do this to me. It's like, yeah, we know you have that. Did the president also sign this bullet in Jack's gun? Because yeah. it's also coming your way. Look, all the paper yeah, says gotta... is that you cannot be arrested for your crimes. It doesn't say that Jack can't shoot you in the face. It doesn't say Jack can't commit literal, actual murder murder, mm-hmm. and then go to jail for it, which I think he's fine with. Yeah. Like, again, yeah. if season no, three no. of the show is Jack in jail and escaping, I'm fine with that. I, I am going to watch that show again. Prison it's Break? Prison cool. Break. Yeah. I heard he has good. tattoos all over his body, and then he meets Winthrow Miller. It does, is that his name? Probably. Win, win, Wentworth Miller. Win, win, Winthrop Miller? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, damn it! It's Wentworth Miller, Wendell uh, Burke Millerstein. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Wendell Hinkleford. 
So he gets in a shoving match with uh, FBI agent Rick Phillips, who says, Jack, don't do this. And finally, the other agent, who I forget his name. Sorry. Dead uh, it's a black dude. You can, you can say it. Agent black dude. That's agent fine. black dude number one That's... pulls his gun and says, Bauer, don't do this. Step away. And Jack throws his hands up in defeat after throwing Nina into the trunk of a Jeep, which is the least effective place to throw someone because you just crawl over that seat. No problem. Um, he just so- gives up. Both of the agents pull guns on Jack, and I'm like, y'all wants to die today is what you're saying. Yeah, they, that they is were, not a sin that up, goes man. unpunished. Yeah. Like, I, Jack was might not punish them for it. Jack was not unarmed. He was he didn't have well, a gun he, in his he, hand. He did not have his weapon drawn. So he was he was in a he was, he was in a bad situation. That is not a sin that goes unpunished. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't draw down on Senor Jack Bauer mm-hmm. and not face <laughs> some sort of wrath. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we see that and we cut the commercial. It's three Oh nine. We come back. It's three fourteen, and, um, we see Paul Coplin, the, uh, private investigator partner, maybe of Ralph, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the woman, the investigator that Kate Warner had called and he shows up and I don't know why, but I mean, he's definitely one of those guys who just plays like a cop or like an investigator in every TV show ever. Right. He was in season one, right? I swear to God he was in season one, just like as a like a rando actor. <laughs> I thought so too. I feel like I've seen him very recently and I cannot figure out where from. I mean, he's in all the things. I know this, but he's uh, in a lot like, of he's in a lot of things. So maybe it's been another show you saw that he was in. Like that was, that was me. I was like, Did I see this dude last season? No. Maybe it was just because I know he's been in Law and Order before, so I don't trust him. Oh but, shit. Yeah. He's been on prison break. No, oh, she was also in Prison Break. Okay, that's that's ridiculous. Um, I mean, like he's lit- he's always playing one of those cop guys, but like El Sapienza at IMDb. Let's let's see you. Is that his name? Okay, Sapienza, which is basically Sapien is just a man. So he's Al Manza. He's house. Of, he's in House of Cards. Okay. Yeah, he's just one of those guys who always plays just like a cop. Person but of I interest. Sw- I swear to God, he was in. He was in season one of 24 also. <laughs> He's in Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, the TV series. Wait, there's a what? T- what TV, coming out a TV in, series coming Jack out in, Ryan? Coming out in 2018. Are they going to have a different actor every episode? Because that would be pretty dope. Because <laughs> like, Ryan, like 19, 19 people have played Jack Ryan. No one better than Alec Baldwin. <gasps> I'll say that. He was in Triple X. That's where I know him He's from. He's a CIA director Wait, the original, the original or no, Return of Xander Cage? Return of Xander Cage. I that's still have not why seen I that. know him. Mm, you need to see it's so fucking bad good. It is bad good. It's so bad I good. It. I um, it okay, so he uh, arrives at the Warner household to help Kate break into her father's computer because she was blocked by a, a password-protected file, um, and she needs to find more information about Syed Ali. And he basically says, well, I need you to permit me to I'm hack gonna, his passwords. I have to do some hacking. Gonna have to do some hacking. And by the way, he does he does some very like light hacking and gets directly into Bob Warner's computer later. He Um, sticks a fucking thumb drive in the computer and types a couple words and then he's just in. And like at this point, I am I'm convinced, mostly because Curtis, he has been in so many things, including Law and Order, I'm convinced that he's a bad man. He's either a bad man or he's working for Bob Warner. 
and yeah. he's trying to make sure that Kate does not get the information. Because Bob knew about... gives a lot of information that would be very bad. No, he, no, he got... made it very clear that they were they were networked into their actual company system, right? So so mm-hmm. they had they had a VPN into into the actual corporation. So he wanted access to that. Now plugging in the thumb drive, which that was a weird looking thumb drive, but whatever. Um uh he he uh you know he's able to and most hacking actually now these days, so guys it's funny, most hacking is just kind of using tools that are created by other people to hack into things. Stolen from the NSA, get, apparently. <laughs> to get passwords and get other shit you don't you know, you don't have. You don't actually go in and like I love how when he's trying to stop something, he's just typing random words as fast as he can, which does no fucking good. Um It's a hacker but, battle, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alright, go get Angelina Jolie and uh <laughs> what's his name? Uh, Miller ever, and see if you can get it done. Fucking video from NCIS, the hacker battle video no oh, yes i have oh, i've watched God, that episode so before there's a it there's is a clip it is god awful <laughs> yes my parents watch i have parents who watch cbs michael of course i've seen the episode they're like we all have parents who watch cbs <laughs> we have Come to on. shut down the node before they get it oh no they got another one get that node i mean to be fair one of the most thrilling the things to me in modern cinema is the hacker battle like the white hat versus black hat hacker I break yeah. out in the sweat anytime I see that on screen. I'm just like, oh fuck, are they gonna get it in time? Oh shit! I mean, even in Jurassic Park, when she's like, I'm a hacker. Right. Oh, it's a Unix system, and she has to beat a fucking Velociraptor. That's the most thrilling hack of all time. That and is I fucking love it. That's the, um, the sad part but, about it is that that makes it seem like at my job in IT is so much cooler than it actually is. And people were like, is that, what do you what do you open up when you get that screen? That screen doesn't exist. There's just a bunch of words. That's what do I get to look pre- at. Do you ever pretend, though, like when you're at work and you're just like, oh, shit. There's a firewall I'm, that's been there forever. I'm not a developer, so I can't do it, but I'm sure people do. Like, they really want to try fucking, to be like, you know. I would nonstop. <laughs> like even developing like a website. Oh, shit, the CSS. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, if you ever build a website, because you should build in something where if you click some like very random order that a hacker screen comes up and you have to defeat the hacker. Would you like to hack? Yes, no. <laughs> yeah, the only way to hack is to not hack. <laughs> like clicking on and things. And if you lose. Essentially you typing words fast enough, so it looks like you're doing the same thing they do in the movies. So like typing things. Just so it's Mario teaches I want to hack battle, you guys. I mean, like the net, where the entire internet fit on a oh my god, a three and a half inch <laughs> floppy disk, and they had to hack the shit out of it. Great movie, loved it. Um, it's just a series say, of tubes. So, Go for it. Yeah, just a series of shit. I am just convinced that this is a bad man who is correct. I don't yeah. even remember what we're talking about anymore. Who the fuck cares? We get a tiny clock. It's three fifteen, and we are back at the end rock, and we see. Sherry being walked down a hallway, which, by the way, they have some really cool hallways here, like underground, and like people have to get around in like golf carts. But the the hallways are just wide enough for the golf cart to drive in, which really I spent a solid five minutes giggling to myself about like an Austin, Austin Powers Power. situation, <laughs> like mostly just like they're in a T intersection and just like they can't go anywhere. Can't they're just stuck. I they're can't. stuck. Yeah. <gasps> It's five minutes. I laughed to myself. <laughs> Solid five. Minutes. Is that why? You, um, is that why you didn't take as many notes? Yes. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Um, so Sherry is being accompanied by Agent Armis down the hallway, and Roger Stanton 
exits an elevator and sees them walking towards him, and uh, he just wants to know what the fuck she's doing there. It's a very secure area, Sherry. Uh, how the fuck did you get down here? And she and, says, uh, you're going to have to ask the president that. Yeah, she keeps doing this thing where she's like, I don't know if you know this, but the president wants me here. <laughs> like, As she, a president, who's your boss? She keeps doing like, the same power play she pulled with Lynn last week, being like, you seem like a smart, adorable person. You know why I'm here. Like, <laughs> And this is with the acting director, or the director of the NSA. She's just like, you know, you know what's up. Like, she does have a pretty good line in this exchange, though. Late on me. Well, as she's about to walk in, he says, you'll have to excuse me. I'm just being very careful about the flow of information today. And she says, this was a good one. Oh, honey, I would guess you are careful about the flow of information every day. Because you're the head of the NSA. Yeah, because that's kind of your job. He is momentarily taken aback. And then she breaks the flow of information. Because she has Armas open the door to the cell that it contains who? It contains Ron Whelan. So Ronald that's what I was confused Whelan. about. Did Roger already know or was he Roger supposed to did know? not know. And the door opens and he sees this. Shit. Yeah. So that that leads that leads me to believe something about what happens later. Yeah. Right. We'll get to that. But I think so. I think that might be a false trail, and we'll get to that in a second. But so Roger sees it, which he didn't know about, and Sherry seemed to do it on purpose because, like, there's no reason for her to let the head of the NSA, who I guess shouldn't really care, technically speaking, know that David, through Agent Armis, has a American journalist wrongfully abducted and confined in a cell. So she walks in and closes the door, and uh, they have a weird kind of showdown, Sherry and Ron Wayland. Here. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of newspapers and magazines, so at least they make he sure he's comfortable. He has forty five publications yeah. in front of him, <laughs> all the papers. He's reading through all of them, which uh, like, again, like he's like, I'm a. He doesn't say this, but he knows the fucking news, like today's news. What is he reading? He's a reporter. Yeah, maybe so he's a he's a reporter for a daily newspaper, so maybe he doesn't get a chance to always read like The Economist, you know, the Time magazines. <laughs> he doesn't have time to read the the weeklies and the monthlies. I kind of hoped that it was all just us weekly. Like it was just like the worst celebrity horse shit in there. <laughs> what? <laughs> J Lo and Ben Affleck? That's crazy. That is crazy. Geely, pretty bad That's movie, true. it turns out. Terrible. Oh, God. When <laughs> did that come out? Was that 2002? Probably later. The old, the old um, so, right. Ron basically 2003, says, like, so they're probably, he's probably reading an article about how good Geely is going to be. But probably. how bad Jersey oh, Girl this, was, right? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> you can't win them all, but oh, man, this this Hollywood power couple is about to make the best movie of all time because they love each other so much and are going to stay together forever. Oh, forever. No. Did Ben oh, and no. Jen have a, um, did they have a a, a name? Ben Pez? Yeah. They, ben Pez? You know what it was. You know what it was, right? What? Ben Pez Dispenser. Are you serious? <laughs> ben oh, Lowe. Aflo, Aflo Pez? Ben Lowe Park. <laughs> are you, Benifer? Are you, even I remember, I remember this stupid shit. You guys are terrible. Was it Benifer? It was Benifer. Uh, Lowfleck. Oh. Uh. 
<laughs> Low Fleck bench pass. and Fleck. Fleck. No, Aflo. <laughs> Aflo. Yeah, just Aflo. Aflac. Wait, Benefer was them? Well, that wasn't someone else? No, no, Benefer was him and Jennifer Garner. No, because they were that were they were after. Yeah, no. I don't think they I know it was it, why don't you search it? No, it was, it was Benefer. I told you. Because it says oh, a look wow. back at Geely, the infamous Benefer starring film on its tenth anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> the word super couple is really stupid. <laughs> Wait, do Beyonce and Jay Z have a name, or are they too cool for that? Yeah, yeah, the name is Beyonce. Yeah, fuck off, Jay. Yeah, just good. We don't, we don't do that. I'm not gonna say who we. We just don't do that. Beyonce. Yeah, y'all do that shit. (laughs) No, it's it's some real honky nonsense. People, people say, people say, people say Bay and Jay sometimes. Mm. There's no like combined name. There's yeah, but they have so many good ones that they could the Carters, the Carters. That's their name. That's who they the are. The family name. It's either the Carters or Beyonce and friend. <laughs> that's Beyonce Destiny's and that dude. No matter what. <laughs> how many friends there are. <laughs> Beyonce and friend. Oh, Beyonce and friend. My name is Kelly. Nobody cares. Um, this, this episode is going to be four hours long, by the way. <laughs> we're not stopping. We're just, we're just oh, shit. Keep, we're keep at 40 minutes. Shit. Fuck. All right. Let's just, let's just power through this. So, uh, so Sherry says, Ron, well, no, 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 hey, we're going to give quick, you some bullshit is, shit. Yeah, so Ron wants to know why the fuck Sherry's even there. And mm-hmm. she's like, because the president trusts me. He's like, why the fuck does he do that? And um, basically, he promises that if Wyland leaves this room and promises to not sh- not really spill those nuclear beans, uh, she'll give him Direct access to the OC, something no re- reporter has ever had one-on-one in- interaction with the president. Because and you he's can't. Like, you can't do it. Yeah. Because, no. Um, so he's like, I don't believe you. Eat my whole dick. Mm-hmm. And we get a tiny <laughs> clock. It's 318. Please take a drink. And we cut to a van, which is the American delivery van containing the nuclear bomb that had rolled out of the lab that George Mason saw. It contains three Middle Eastern men. And they're driving through a, a nice residential neighborhood, and they, they talk about how they're ready to deliver the bomb. They're all really excited, except for two of them look very non-excited. Very well, non-excited. Okay, one, of these, one of these guys, the gentleman driving the van, and some of you may know this if you're, if you're a little bit of an NPR nerd or someone who knows comedy. It's Maz Jobrani. Yep. No shit. Who is a hilarious, who is a hilarious huh. man of Middle Eastern descent. And I, I, look, at, I look at Maz, and I'm like, Maz isn't a terrorist. Yeah, I hate Maz I can't blow anyone up. <laughs> so yeah, this and, whole season um, was real hard. <laughs> I didn't recognize him uh, just because I don't tend to Google the faces of my NPR folks. But yeah, Maz, Maz uh, Jabroni is not going to do much of anything. Um, but so he's driving the van. He's uh, a nice bald gentleman. There's one in the back with some curly hair and a another fellow just kind of standing in the wheel well on the passenger side. And uh, he seems to be the leader of the group, and the most interesting. Circle beard dude is always is always the leader or the one who you can count on to kill somebody. Circle That's... beard dude is into some shit. Faux yeah, show every time. So then we cut to the private jet flying back from Vesalia to L.A. Everyone's on board, all our good friends, and uh, Nina is now interrogating Mahmoud Fahin, uh, and tells him that he has to cooperate, and uh, he won't really listen to her. 
And as he's kind of just like fighting back and we're getting translations from Michelle, who's kind of patched into the conversation and talking to Jack's ear, we see Nina kind of unpalm the gift card that she stole from the thrift shop last episode. And it's now broken in half with a jagged edge. And then she slowly slides it back up into her sleeve. And um, Jack asks Nina what Fahina's saying. And uh, she just says, Basically, Fahina's given her nothing, so Jack pulls her aside and wants to know what the fuck she knows about this. And she says, I don't know anything. This was before I was arrested, so I don't know what's going on. And Fahina's the only one who can give us any intel on this nuke. And uh, he's going to die before he tells us anything. So Jack tells her to sit the fuck down. And we cut to commercial at 3.23. We come back, it's 3.27. And um, did I tell... Oh, I don't even think I... uh, Talked about the tire blowing yeah, out I think in you the previous over the scene. part where their tire exploded and they almost drove a nuclear van off of a <laughs> nuclear road. It's a non-nuclear um, road, so I think, but a nuclear the van. A nuclear car. road <laughs> and nuclear van. Um, so, so it's now 327, and uh, we cut back to the van, and with the help of Rick, apparently, the three, three Middle Eastern fellows in the truck are done replacing the tire, which is the fastest tire change in the history of the yeah, planet, it took I think. Like five minutes yeah um also so this is a delivery truck right Mm -hmm. for american delivery or supposedly a company that exists and there's just three Three dudes dudes in the truck that are not wearing any type of uniform whatsoever they're just dressed like normal dudes and this does not set off any like if you just happened upon three dudes in a UPS truck, which there's never three dudes in a UPS truck, but they were not wearing UPS uniforms, you'd probably be like, huh, weird. weird. Rick, Rick does not see it as weird. He sees it as a sales opportunity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is this how your dad gets pool business? I'm about to say, chance to sell My some dad, pool game. That's what he's... <laughs> so Rick has the largest pool cleaning business in the valley. <laughs> And he, instead of, he offers to take them to a tire store on Ventura Boulevard, which is very nice. Again, a delivery company should probably know where the fuck everything is. Yeah. Uh, But he offers for them to follow him there and uh, then gives them his card and says, if you know if anyone needs a pool cleaning, have them give me a call. (laughs) Which is actually my dad's number one form of business development. Just go around and fix delivery truck drivers. (laughs) tires close he actually does shoot the tires out oh yeah yeah. and then it's like oh hey frando can i help you so you guys i gotta tell you you know i don't know why you're not why you don't listen to me or the wisdom of the people i tell you about because you would know why rick is so cool if you just listen to what i told you guys this weekend that i learned from a man named bob and bob told me that pools are cool because you meet cool people (laughs) that's why rick's so cool then you know what that that Bobism kind of sounds like the Kanye, uh, my life is dope because I do dope shit. It's fair. Pools are cool because you meet cool people. Yeah. Hey, having dug a pool halfway by hand, fuck you. Fuck everybody who has a pool. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you have like a machine that does that for you? Sometimes. Yeah, it should be like a backhoe you also have to. I also have to dig... 90 yards of plumbing trenches around the outside of the pool because my uncle's too cheap to buy a ditch witch. So I have to do that. A ditch mm. So it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. That's but pretty it cool. It's like a tractor. Racers. It's a tractor with a gigantic chainsaw on the back end of it and it just cuts okay. a massive trench in the ground. Or you okay. can pay 
17 year old asshole myself to just sit there by yourself on the in a Florida heat and dig very deep trenches. Hmm. Would you care to guess which one my uncle did? <laughs> I'm gonna guess you were the ditch witch. I am. Yeah, I am. <laughs> That's cast your new spell name, son. That, there it is. You did it to yourself. I cast a spell on that bad earth. You're the ditch witch bitch, son. Yeah, she's just ditch bitch. Actually, my lovely, lovely Mexican-American co-workers just called me Brokeback Mikey. Because <laughs> my back hurts so bad. Oh, fuck. That's and because the they made fun episode. of me for being gay. Because mm-hmm. I was just a young high school boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, hey Kush, does, Good does, times. Does, does trench warfare work as well for that one? <laughs> It's a good one. Yep. Yeah, that one, that one checks out. So Brokeback Mikey's obviously the episode title. Yeah. Um, okay, so they decline uh, Rick's offer of the guidance. and cool. but so we they gotta get, get this delivery somewhere. We gotta real really fast. drop this off in the middle of town. Um, but as they get back into the van, the driver, Maz... They see he he looks down the street and sees the children playing basketball and just like having a great time. Those kids are having the best time playing pickup basketball. He hears the laughter. That's yeah, yeah. the laughter, and he starts to look uneasy. And then uh, the kind of head circle beard guy tries to pay Rick, the pool repair guy, and he just turns down the money, just being a, a very sensible, loving, kind, caring. American man confronted with three brown folk who just no, I can't take your money. I'm just a good dude trying to do a good thing. I love you guys. Love a country. See you later. Hey, Have a good night. I'm gonna give the Ride of Twenty Four some credit here. That gentleman is in California. Okay. Yeah. This show is not set in West Virginia or Alabama. It's in California. There's a, there's a chance that there's a Rick out there. There's a shot. Okay. Mm-hmm. It can be true. Yeah. But what I don't believe is that. This is the thing that causes the terrorist <laughs> well, to get to be cold fair, feet he, about the bomb. He had already seen there were some hints that he like was not the most comfortable. Even the guy in the back of the truck, he had some shifty eyes. He didn't seem neither of them seemed fully on board with this thing. Yeah, right. I assume but that they was still just drove the fucking sitting, bomb out of the Yeah. They're sitting yeah. on a bomb of the nuclear type. That's fully fair. Um, also, yeah. if you have any inkling of remorse at any point, you would think it would be before you're driving the bomb to the place where it's going to blow up. Yeah. Well, okay. You know, so no, this guy, this guy may have been told that America is this evil place, and it maybe doesn't have a lot of experience there. Uh, and, and then, then when a he fat got there, pool he saw guy shows him that no, America's the nice, the nice white pool dude shit. shows him love. You know, and the fucking and the, the kids. You know, we're out there laughing and playing, which is why you don't bomb a place where that might happen. You do it to a place like Florida, where Rick would not have been helpful. Rick would have been a serial killer. He would have tried to rape all three of them. We know this, guys. Come on. It's Florida. Hey, okay. Well, I know I know. literally three minutes ago we talked about just really moving forward. But, Curtis, you you come at Florida pool guys like that one more time. <laughs> I'm a I'm a fly up to Chicago again. Kush, Kush. What I'm telling you is that Rick wasn't the pool guy. Rick already killed the pool guy and took his, <laughs> took his truck. He's just it's using his car. Florida, Kush. It's Florida. He's not even. His name's not even Rick. His name is just yeah. Florida man. 
I mean, to be fair, my name is not actually Michael Cushing. <laughs> I've killed four other pool guys to become Michael yeah. Cushing. This is my and, current identity. And, and that's assuming that Rick isn't just an alligator in a Rick suit. All right. That's Florida. I'm not coming at anybody who works in the pool industry in Florida. I'm coming at Florida, at Florida. At Florida man. <laughs> fair. Fair enough. Well, after the non-alligator in the Rick suit, who might actually just be a pile of cockroaches in a Rick suit, we don't actually know. Um, Flying we cut cockroaches. To, yeah, we cut to Officer Brown's patrol car, and he's on the radio with Collins, the driver of the car that contains Miguel. And Collins is telling him that Miguel told him about a bomb in L.A. And uh, Officer Brown says, they probably just made it up. And Kim overhears this and just says, please call TCU and CTU and just keep Megan out of the city. And this is where Brown tries to radio his dispatcher to say, hey, let me talk to the FBI. Where the dispatcher says, FBI can't be reached. They haven't been able to reach for hours now. Uh, and so Brown starts to get a pensive look on his face. And we get a tiny clock. Please take a drink. It's 329. We cut back to Sherry confronting David in the Enrock and says, she says that Ron Wheeland is still insisting on going forward with the story once he's released. And David just says, okay, you can leave now, Sherry. You didn't do shit for me. And Sherry just says, David, you never, you give everyone a second chance, which is true, but not me. And she kind of admits that David was right to do everything that he did to her, including filing for divorce, because she was so up in her own power that she didn't really know what to do. But she's since learned what she's cap- what she can handle and what she can't. And she just wants to help David and build new confidence between them. And God, David says, that's fine. No. Me neither, which Anyone will come up later. And David says, that's fine, but I promise you absolutely nothing. But you can continue to stay here. That's I won't what kick I, you out right now. Yeah, I love... I, I, to me, it's like, I'm promising you're never getting to my bed again, but we'll see what you can dig up here on the people trying to fuck up my administration. Yeah. This dick? You're, you're going to use your wiles mm-hmm. on me like you did to Ron Wheeland, so mm-hmm. don't try it anymore. I also no, don't believe you. that she hasn't had a second chance. Like, she's had several chances, and she kept going behind David's back in the last season. I mean, season. she had at least three chances in day. season one, and then she said, I'm going to blow up Kim Bauer. Right. Like, right. that was that, all in one day. She just had a bad day. You know? That's all. That's true. That's true. We want a bad day where she just compounds upon itself. You know, you betray your spouse. You try to kill a child. Like, it, it, you know, it's one bad day. You betray your spouse. You try to send his, like, campaign manager to go sleep with him under false pretenses. And then, then you try to kill a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. We've all been there. And actually, later on, so... Get, you know, get some butt. That's all. She just wanted to get its booty. That's all. That's that's yeah, fair. So actually, care. just just to rewind, before to convince David that she should be the one to go speak to Ron Whelan, she just says, "David, you know, if I have one skill, it's talking to the press." Which, like, at no point did that come up in the last season. Too like, soon, because she's the one who told the well, press about yeah, she did. the yeah the fact that he was say, alive. She, she leaked right. Yeah. <laughs> Like too soon, Cherry. Too actually, soon. David knows one thing: it's that she's horrible at this. So, okay, we no, see a tiny clock. To them. She's not good at not talking to them. That's the problem, right? <laughs> it's what she says that's the problem. She's very good at talking with them. Um, so we get a tiny clock. It's three uh, thirty-two, and we cut back to the terrorist van, and the driver 
uh, bald fellow Maz is becoming increasingly agitated. You kind of see his eyes are shifting. He's sweating profusely. And you can tell that Rick is really impacting him. And he just yanks the van off the side of the road. And they kind of pull into some trees, which is really his last and fatal mistake. Um, Fuck, this is my he, favorite scene in this entire episode. It's so good. So it's he says, I can't yeah. do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. And so the guy's standing in the wheel well. He kind of rolls his eyes. And then what does he do? <laughs> he shakes him a little bit, says, get your fucking shit together. And then the guy still isn't isn't having it. Maz is like, nah, I'm not doing this. He just shoots him. Shoots him four times Puts in the chest while the, the guy in the back. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, in the in the gut. So, And the guy in the back is just looking shocked. Uh, and he stands up and doesn't know what to do. And Maz falls out of the side of the truck. And uh, the other gentleman, gentleman, uh, <laughs> opens the door on the side. He walks out. And he goes to he goes to pull him all the way out of the truck, unbuckle his seatbelt. And what does Maz do? I'm gonna do this for all the wrestling fans out there so you can hear that. Maz pulls off the kill shot out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> he shoots him once. He shoots him once. They both fell out of the car. The other third dude is just like, uh Oh shit. Fuck. And he checks both of their both their pulses and they're both real dead and he just kind of looks around like what? yeah you could tell he was like the amateur guy <laughs> yeah. on the on the nuclear right. suicide mission well, like he didn't he, he do doesn't do know now? what to do at all so he's panicked and they're both on the ground and he, uh, he he also seemed to be having misgivings after the encounter with rick <laughs> and he just gets in the van and drives off <laughs> it's like i can't leave this bomb here i guess i guess shit so we get the commercial at 3.33, we come back, it's 3.37, and we see Paul and Kate, they're continuing to go through Bob's records, and they learn that Reza made nearly half a million dollars in withdrawals, and then he wrote a check to the terrorist Syed Ali, just, just in like, in the in the two, the four line, Syed Ali, right. yeah, memo, I, I, I got for terrorism. <laughs> he wrote it for consulting services, right? He wrote a but fucking you'd, check. You'd think dude would have an alias of some sort or a holding corporation or something for a half million dollar check to be written to him for terrorism. I just... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to Syed, <laughs> the terrorist, Ali! That's literally... For, for said, terrorism. Uh, like it's, it's literally like if Bob Mueller found a check from one of the Trump family for collusion to Russia. For collusion. Like, what? <laughs> just, you know what? I'm surprised guys, there isn't guys, one. Guys, Let's it be happened. honest. We, we just just memo. Is. Crooked Hillary? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Two WikiLeaks. <laughs> we we got it, y'all. No, he couldn't. No, he did it. There, there it is. Oh shit! It's just there. We got like, the proof, he though. just he just <laughs> tweeted it out. This makes me think that there is that the, that this is like planted evidence, right? Like it's too correct. Like, right. Too That's why I wrote. Somebody it. is a fucking idiot, or this is planted. And it's uh, it, so and then given what we're about to find out, it's even more suspicious because so Paul says, well, your dad got arrested, too. And Kate wants to know what Reza said to make them take Bob Warner in. And so Paul just says, OK, well, let's look at his calendar. And they pull it up and they see nothing on the date of the the transfer, the transfers that Reza had made. So Kate just says, oh, well, then he must be innocent. <laughs> So Bob then finds a directory that was accessed almost daily and just says, well, it's got a resource tab, which doesn't seem 
too uncommon. But he says that a resource tab indicates that it's a government file. Of course. Which, bullshit. I have a resource yeah. tab on four different Google Docs right now. Uh, opens, <laughs> yeah. One of the, like, the most buckwild sentences I've ever heard. And then he opens that file. And as soon as he does, it begins to auto-delete. And he sees a weird code sequence pop up. And he stops the, the sequence. And there's an array of text with some coordinates in it. Embedded in the in the code. How the fuck and does he, he know that, all of this shit? So so yeah. So he 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 did the, the, that's not this was the hacker competition, right? This was the the hack off, um, where he had to. So <laughs> read this right. He 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 signed. He got in via Bob's password into Bob's network, and when he opened he hacked, a file on Bob's off. network, it began the auto delete sequence. It didn't try to ask him for a password it didn't go to an encryption it didn't try to recognize what it, it just nope delete everything because all Bob's indications to that get in. it is bob at the computer <laughs> nah fuck it gonna gonna it kill goddamn retinal scan just no nope, everything and and he beat it by just typing a bunch so yeah. yep he hacked off bob <laughs> he hacked <laughs> often he hacked off wait, bob so hold on, no he often whose computer he was hacking is that I don't want to end with a preposition. <laughs> off which packed Bob. Hack off Bob Duggan. Um, so he sees nice. a couple code snippets with some coordinates in it. And oh, he, I couldn't let it go. Hey, well, he tells Kate that only people with government security clearances would have this sort of code snippet in their files. Whatever, and then man. we... <laughs> We cut to Bob's interrogation cell at CTU, and I get a tiny clock. It's three forty. Please take a drink. And oh my God. <laughs> I can't. I didn't so necessarily dumb. see this coming, but Tony walks in and begins recording the conversation. And Bob basically says, "I shouldn't tell you this," sounding very much like Kim Bauer. But under the circumstances, I'll make an exemption for you at the CTU since you currently have me arrested and says i'm a consultant for the cia and my company is used to pass information back and forth to an unknown recipient and he hands tony a contact code for his liaison at langley and says go ahead and call them and confirm and he just says i have nothing to do with sietali i don't know who that is i don't know why razor was involved and i don't think he was but i'll just wait here while you call cia it's a pretty good, um, pretty good card to pull in this situation. It's actually the best card. Yeah. If, like, if you actually have yeah. a card that just says "Call the CIA," I'm pretty cool. <laughs> that's a good. That's the goodest card. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. Like, How do we like, feel about this? Um, ugh. I now they're trying to paint. I think they're trying to paint Bob as a patsy a little bit. Um, but somebody, somebody. In, either in the government or in the Warner Corporation, done fucked around with them terrorists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we yeah, had to figure we out who it is. And I don't know if do go we think he's just the problem is the problem. Go ahead. I here's the thing. Um, I would think that, except for remember that he told Marie to call the tax attorney mm-hmm. once he got arrested. So it's like. If you're if you're the CIA if you're a CIA have CIA liaison and you're gonna arrested by the government you're gonna say okay well I got this don't worry about it Marie or sorry Kate I, I just calm down you don't say call my fixer mm. to take care of some things for me well I think Larry was probably his CIA handler 
I think the CIA is already uh, expecting Tony's call, if I had to guess. It's possible. I think Larry's not just a tax attorney. <laughs> but it's, and then it's also the way he protects Reza. I mean, they brought it up in the episode, right? It, it, it's just, it's, it's, there's something going on um, with Bob Warner more than just him being a consultant with the CIA. Yeah, well, um, so he might be more, but maybe he, maybe he's just protecting Reza, but like, they do bring it up and it's just like, Especially if Bob is connected to the CIA, like he must know that Raisa is clean because someone like they say he went out of his way to be like, Raisa's good, he's my son. He treats him like his son mm-hmm. now. Like he's definitely part of the family. So like I'm I'm very curious where where Bob and Raisa are going. Right, because it also I mean it also makes a little bit more sense when he told Kate, like, I've already had him checked out. Because if he's got right. connections to the CIA and somebody is going to marry your daughter, you're definitely running that through all of the CIA checks. Yeah, like again, my my brother in law's or my brother's father in law, like the first thing he did upon meeting my brother, he's a he's a cop. He had his entire speeding record pulled up on his phone mm-hmm. when he met my brother. Mm-hmm. I assume if you had access to the CIA, Bob knows Reza's dick size. <laughs> <laughs> well, outside of that room, he knows how um, many times he's hacked off. <laughs> outside of that room in cia often which he's hacked michael god damn it you don't need to send it into preposition you son of a how bitch how many times how many times often which he's hacked mm. that classic sentence structure nailed it um michelle dessa receives a call from the sheriff station in newhall where they are holding kim and uh she tells them that jack bauer is not available um and tony walks out of the interrogation room and tells George about Bob's CIA connections. And George doesn't really know what's going on, but he says, well, that means racist line. But Tony's like, I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think race is telling the truth. And George says, well, push harder. And Michelle hands the phone to George, uh, and basically informs him that the police are not sure about Kim and want to, want to talk to Jack. And, uh, George says, call Jack. So we get a tiny clock. It's three forty-four. We are on the plane, and Jack picks up the phone and learns that Kim is being held by the police on criminal charges for murder. And can you imagine getting a, f- a phone call? And you're on a f- private jet escorting two known terrorists, one of whom killed your wife a year and a half ago, and just learning that your dumb, stupid fucking daughter, who you just told, the one task you've given her was to leave town and just go to your aunt's house. Oops, she's Oops. wanted for murder. <laughs> been arrested for murder. But I wonder if it was kind of like, if it was kind of like bittersweet for Jack, where he was like, "She didn't listen to me, but she also killed somebody." So apple maybe does she's not, not fall that far. Bad. The apple does not fall from the murder tree. Just, yeah. Was it vengeance, Kim? Was it righteous vengeance? Because if that's the case, he, that's fine. He doesn't ask about motivation. He just says, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> Can, what are you talking about? Couldn't you murder and, somebody tomorrow? Yeah. So for some reason, the station just lets him talk directly to her on the phone. And Kim tells him all about what happened, that she was pulled over for speeding. And then they found a body in the trunk and Scary's car. And Jack initially tries to calm her down. But then he looks over and notices that Nina is whispering to Uma Fahin. And continually jack is on the phone with kim but also in the earpiece with michelle <laughs> telling kim to and shut the asks, fuck up and telling kim to shut I, up i don't care about your murder probs 
Um, I, I just, I heard this as like every, so I think of all the executive fathers who live in like LA or, or New York who have really, really important jobs, but also have very, very entitled children. Yeah. Who like daddy's doing something really important right now, but you know, I fucked up royally and I need you to fix it. And it's like daddy's job is to work against terrorists, honey. You know, there's a nuke right now in LA and you hear that I'm doing something very important for work and you keep crying and complaining about your goddamn situation. Maybe wait two minutes while I clean this up a little bit and she can't do it. She keeps hold on, hold on, my angel. Hold on, it. I'll be right there. <laughs> hey, Kim. Hey, Kim. Um, when the entire city of LA is obliterated by a nuclear bomb, you won't have a murder problem anymore. So uh, shut the fuck up. Just yeah, for a second, and, sweetheart. And, and actually just, just reminded just, me just of uh, in Parks and Rec when like Jenny Slate like just talks to her dad, like uh, Henry and Uncle, I forget their name. He's just like, money, please. <laughs> just need the money. Out of jail, please, daddy. Um, so Jack can't believe it, but he's also not fucking listening because he sees whisper- uh, Nina whispering. And so he tells, he asks uh, Michelle, what are they saying? Because she's patched in with the translator. And uh, we hear Michelle relaying some information. And basically Nina is telling Fahim that the military is in Fahim's family's village. They're rounding up his family. They're going to kill them, but she can save them. And it's a smart play. It's pretty good. And she should have brought it up earlier, probably. But <laughs> Jack is has Kim in one ear blabbing on about, oh, I'm going to jail, whatever. And he's trying to listen to Nina Fahina. He's getting Michelle's voice telling him what's going on. And then they get very quiet. They're whispering to each other, and the translator can't hear it. Would they be Fanina? And, what's that? Would they be Fanina or Nina You did it. You did it. I think Nina. Nina. Yeah. So Kim just asks if Jack is still there and listening. And Jack just kind of goes, George, get Kim out of there. I can't. I don't have time for this. And supersede the local cops if you have to. And Jack says, we will. And Jack is getting more and more suspicious of this as the moments go on. And then we see Nina slip the gift card out of her sleeve. And Jack puts the phone down and says, Nina, what did Fahim tell you? And what does Nina say? Everything. And then she slits his throat. But she said she makes sure to say everything first, which was the important says, part. Which yeah. was nice. Yeah. Yep. So he told me all the things, and he's not needed anymore. So he starts to lose a lot of his very important blood. He needs that blood. All the, all the his, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Out of his horribly, horribly broken throat. And uh, Jack tackles him to the ground. Phillips tries to save uh, Fahin, just really sh- pressing on that throat real bad. <laughs> just choking um, him to death while he's bleeding to death. Yeah. Um, and so... Jack, sorry, let me, so Jack leaves to grab his phone to talk to CTU again, let them know that Nina just slit his fucking throat, and uh, they secure Nina, and uh, Fahina's just dead. Super Uh, So Nina tells Jack that I know where the bomb is, you gotta take me to San Diego and have a civilian transport take me to Sao Paulo, Brazil, which by the way does not have, uh, is not a non-extradition country, so 
Not really right. sure why, that was, why she that wants was to my, go there. That was my... I'm like, why would you go to Except, Brazil? Brazil has ties to Germany, though, doesn't it? It's full of fucking Nazis. Mm-hmm. It is It is full of Germans. Well, all, I think Argentina, Argentina had more Nazis. Germans. Yeah, yeah, Argentina has way more. They're way wider in Argentina. <laughs> There's way we more. Should... <laughs> they, had, they, had, they had that weird twin city where all those German twins like were born you know, a while mm-hmm. back when they were doing experiments and shit. So, yeah, Argentina's worse, but yeah, a lot of, also, a lot of Germans. Real, real quick sidebar, can I say this? Best part of X Men First Class is the first thirty minutes where Michael Fassbender oh. as Magneto is just hunting oh. down Nazis. Oh god! I want. I could watch a movie of Michael Fassbender killing Nazis with metal powers all like, day. The, yeah, the knife thing was great. I still the way he kills Kevin Bacon slowly with the, it was so beautiful. Just how it enters, it was just slowly into his brain. A true delight. Mm. Per- Perfecto. Hey, <laughs> kill those Nazis. Um. So. He, Fahim dies, and uh, Jack asks George if he should accept Nina's demands. Yeah, how come this is this is this is Mason's call after all the shit Jack's pull? Okay, well, George, you gotta make the call. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the administration stuff. Jack just like I don't want to handle that. Yeah. yeah, should I take her to San Diego or should I bring her back? And George says, "Go ahead and go to San Diego." And Jack says, "We're gonna go there." But then we're going to hold you there until you tell us where the bomb is, and she agrees. And we cut to commercial at 3.47. She looks so smug, too. Like She is smug as a bug in a rug. So, and but that agreement is bullshit. Is that, That's like, a Wheeling agreement. Keeps, she keeps getting really smug when she thinks she has the upper hand on Jack, and then immediately starts groveling any time he is about to murder her face. And, like, well, if Jack has showed like, her if, one thing, it's that he's going to murder her in the face. Yeah. Like, no matter how smug she is or, like... Oh, cool, you have a pardon. I'm gonna kill you. I don't care. I will hunt you yeah, down I mean, in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and murder your face. Yeah, like, I know she's gonna die eventually, but I would say to Jack, no, I'm gonna get on that plane, and then I will call you and tell you where it is. You can either die in the city with all of y'all together, or I can get on my plane to Sao Paulo. But she's just gonna give it up. And Jack, I mean, he's going to kill her. No matter, there's nowhere she can hide to escape the wrath, I'm sure now. But still... Do better on your negotiations there, Nina. Mars. I need a rocket to Mars. He's already there. He's been That's there the whole do time. It. That's not going to do it. Nah. Nah, He's son. He's been you there. You go to the bottom of the ocean. Like, you got it. You, you need to actually, you, if you could become Kim, if you could load your consciousness into Kim Bauer, you could then win. Ooh, that's a, but then you have to be so dumb. Okay, so we come back from commercials <laughs> 351, and uh, at CTU, Michelle is telling George Mason that she heard a name when she was going through the conversation. She had the recording of uh, Fahim talking to to uh, Nina. It's Marco Katami, who is also connected to Syed Ali. And George hears this, <laughs> that he knows that Syed Ali is now the common thread between Fahim, Nina, Reza. So he takes off his jacket and he rolls up his sleeves. <laughs> And just gets this Daddy's look on his go face. Daddy's got to go to work. Daddy's got to go to work. What does he do? We'll talk. He talk. He wants to talk to Razor. He wants to go see what he knows. Maybe. Um, what he is, does how that. does he talk? Jack style. He jacks your boy up. Just runs over at full G May speed. Grabs him by the collar and asks him who um, who this dude is. You saw that scene differently because you say collar. <laughs> I saw throat. Yeah, he, he <laughs> throated him. He throated him right in the throat. Jack uh, George he, he says hello me. with his hands. Once he got him against the once he got him against the cage, he throated. 
He started so with a collar he grabs, to get him up. He starts with a collar. And then he throated him. Adjusts his grip to that good, good throat. And uh, he, he asks him, who is Katami? Who are you working for? Tell me everything you know. And Reza just like is obviously screaming. Marie starts screaming. And Tony has walked out of the interrogation room and tries. And he pulls George off and tells him to calm down. And Reza is yelling, you're crazy. You're insane. And George is coughing uncontrollably with his very horrible bad lungs. And we cut away from CTU to Officer Brown's car. And he tells Kim that she's being transferred to CTU. And then uh, they'll be taking over the case. Yeah, because sorry, that's what this is CTU the, does. They handle murder cases. They handle murder cases. Right. And sorry, they are now at the police station. They've arrived. And Kim says, I won't go anywhere unless you take, unless we have Megan. And I can't go back to CTU. Or I can't go back to LA. And which again, if CTU is going to take it over, that's in LA. Kim doesn't want to go there. Jack doesn't want to go there. They should just tell them to like, keep Kim in custody 25 miles outside the city. We'll handle it later. There it is. Yeah. You know, whatever. Um, so Brown says, hey, you know, I looked into it. I know your dad works for CTU. But, uh, you know, we already know. Like, you need to tell us what, what you know about what's going on. Yeah, and what Kim, the fuck is going on, nope. lady? Kim, no, sitting next to Miguel, just says, don't do it. Don't, okay. Don't do it. I shouldn't say this because I I need to avoid a panic, but a nuclear bomb is about to go off in L.A. Oh, for fuck's sake. And Officer Brown stands up, looks at her, kind of shocked, and just walks away into the station. Mm -hmm. And we get a tiny clock. It's 3.54. Please take a drink. He don't don't look good, and I think he's going to do something stupid. Something rash, perhaps? Mm -hmm. Faux show. Correct. So at CTU... We uh, see Tony asked Michelle if she was able to get anything else from the Fahin recording. And she says, no, I wasn't. And they kind of share a tender moment here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says, you're bleeding. And and sees maybe some blood that came from her ear. She looks longingly and says, no. it's not my blood. Somebody else. Someone, someone else's blood. It's probably Paula's. Very, mm. very bad, mm. horrible blood. So it's probably six it's different people's blood. So many people were yeah. bleeding on me. Yeah, and Tony offers to give her a break so she can get cleaned up and change. It's just, no. We don't and have time for breaks, god damn it. I don't have time for breaks. And she says, he tells her, we're going to survive this day. Mm. With the implied, and then we're going to fuck. I, I I distinctly heard that yeah, on the no. end of that sentence. Yeah, no. They're, they're going to get it going after this. Um, then we cut back to the NROC, and... Uh, Lynn Kresge walks into David Palmer and shares some FAA guidelines that Roger Stanton had recommended to them. And uh, Palmer asks what Stanton thinks about Sherry being there. And she shares that Stanton didn't really appear to be too pleased with it. And David asks if how Lynn feels about it. And she starts to answer. And then Mike, Mike Novick, the chief of staff, walks in. And says, hey, it's time to watch Fox News. <laughs> and our, our he, favorite news station. Our favorite news station. The Democratic and president definitely watches Fox News all the time. <laughs> and he turns the TV on, and what do they see? See Ron Whelan. Ron fucking Whelan. A free Ron Whelan. Mm, very free. Mm-hmm. Being interviewed by rival news networks because there appear to be 19 cameras and, and mics in his face. Yeah, you think he would have saved this one for his team. Yeah. 
He didn't. Nah. <laughs> um, and he he's talking about a... I don't think he says the word nuclear threat, but he says there's a threat to L.A. And it's weird because the president knew about it. And he doesn't mention the fact that he was incarcerated unlawfully. Yet. Um, yet. But that David is withholding information about a, a threat to the country. And David just says, let me talk to Armis. And then we get a tiny clock. It's 3.57. Please take a drink. And we're back at the Warner house. And Kate just cannot believe that her father works for the government. And saying that, well, if it was true, he would have known if Reza had terrorist connections. Uh-huh. And Paul just says the obvious. was like, well, maybe he knew. And he was keeping close tabs on Reza. Uh-huh. And Kate just counters that by saying, there's no way in fuck my dad would let his daughter, his sweet, sweet baby daughter... Marry a known terrorist. Unless he hates Marie. Which, I get it. I hate Marie. Get it. Yeah. I get it. I understand completely. He just hasn't found a terrorist for Kate yet. Yeah. Then he can get rid of (laughs) both of them. I won't rest until my, both of my, my beautiful blonde daughters have married terrorists. (laughs) Um, so Paul counters that saying, hey, I know Tony Almeida pretty well, which seems Mm. like a buck wild statement. Right. Uh, And says, I'll call him to ask him about it. And as they approach, we see they leave the house and we see two vans leaving the premises full of caterers and gardeners and God knows who uh, setting up the thing, setting up the wedding that was supposed to be there that afternoon. And they walk out into the driveway towards their car. And what happens? They get jacked. Straight up. By some random dudes in a van come in. They knock them out. They throw them into the van. They drive away. Well, it's curious. They beat the shit out of Paul, yeah. and then they injected Kate with something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, That's and, a very and CIA y'all, maneuver. It was, yeah, because, y'all, I wrote it down. I mean, you know, the, the, it wasn't brown folks. Um, those was Merkins. What what Honkies. took Kate? No, one black dude. I just one said Merkins. That's true. Yeah, you're right. So, so it's, it, 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 you know, it, it lends credo to that whole government thing happening. Because um, yep. I don't think, think that that black dude was part of the Second Sons or whatever they are. <laughs> second Wave. Second Wave. Second yeah. Sons is a, is a, car, is a, a video game uh, group. Sorry, y'all. Uh, you say black people can't be Muslim, Curtis? It's pretty fucked up. I think a I, lot of them and are, the white actually. Dude. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of Muslims are black. What I'm saying is that this is not um, <laughs> that Muslim group. That's fair. This is, That's fair. This is, them, this is them people. Yeah, it tells me yeah. a couple things. So. tells me that... Um, our our intrepid PI is not involved with with Bob Warner. He literally was just a friend. He of was Ralph. just a friend. He just was <laughs> helping her out, and now he's gotten his ass beat. Um, yeah, pretty badly by the looks. Pretty of things. badly for and for he's stupid. been kidnapped because Kate might as well be another Kim. So well, Kate got Kate. Kate got kidnapped or Kate napped, and and then other dude was just he's an unfortunate casualty of, of the Kate. Unfortunately, napping. along for the ride. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really hope actually, he doesn't depend on Kate to get him out, so he'll because he's gonna die. So he did say when they found the when he found like he stopped the hack of the auto deletion thing and they saw like the the that file, it had geotag coordinates in it, which my first thought was, yeah, your location, <laughs> so the CIA knows exactly where to fucking find you now. So I'm I'm guessing that this is CIA folk who are not too happy that these two dipshits have uncovered one of their agents. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was my thought as well. Uh, yeah. So yeah, should go real. Okay, real so good. before 
I want to revisit this scene before we get into the final confrontation between Jack and Nina in this episode. Mm-hmm. So obviously Ron Wheeland is now out of captivity. The last person who saw him was Sherry and possibly Armas. Right. But Roger Stanton knew that Wheeland was in the room. Mm-hmm. How did Wheeland get out? There are three suspects. David asked to talk to Armas first, not to Sherry, who is in the room. Well, I assume I assume he asked for Armas because Armas is the one who was guarding responsible. him. Responsible. Responsible yeah. for right. him. So he wants to ask him, like, what did you do? Who knew about him? And where where did you when did you last see him? Yeah. I don't think he suspects Armas. They they want me to believe that it's either Stanton, Sherry, or Armas. It's not Armas, right? He didn't do it by himself. So they're like they're, Armis they're is leading, a blunt weapon. They're leading, mm. they're leading you pretty hard into Stanton, right? He saw it. He he was there. Um, you know, and then the, the audience knows you can't trust Sherry. Uh guess what, y'all? Could be Lynn too. Be I don't heart. trust Lynn. That's what I wrote down. I think it's Lynn. So the I don't trust Lynn horse, at all. Huh? Could mm-hmm. be Lynn. Uh, my money, because I forget everything about this season from here on out. Well, not everything. I remember all the Kim stuff because my brain hates me. Um, Fuck. <laughs> my money here is on Sherry. Okay. Because this is kind of the thing. Like Sherry is so Machiavellian with all of her all of her shit. I just like, I think it was more just a like. I think she made a deal with Ron to not talk about certain things, and that this is going to help her get back into David's graces somehow for some convoluted way. I don't. I don't know. I, I forget. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I, for some reason, I think it's Sherry. So, so funnily enough, so you know why why something being Machiavellian is actually hilarious and also kind of wrongly put mm-hmm. because Machiavelli wrote the Prince as a satire of the satire. current times. So people believe yeah. that he had that idea of the end justify the means, which he never did, but nope. the current political system did. I don't think that Sherry would believe that helping undermine David's. Administration would help her get back into his good graces. I think there's someone else who doesn't want him in power. Because here's here, here's the thing. I don't know now if it's not some force inside of the CIA or the government itself funding the terrorists. Well, so the, the thing so, here... And- you know, who, who, so there's, there might be a deeper plot here around the whole thing about either undermining David Palmer, even though this was planned six months before he was... Um, well, putting a, a elected as the nominee, so who knows? It has something we haven't talked about. The larger but, conspiracy that even dates back to yeah. season one, the people who were arraigned, like that he betrayed. I think right. my only thing is that Sherry is the person who came to him with this like rumor or a conspiracy of a cabal against him. Correct. Yeah. And if this happens, this just vindicates her and gives her more access to David. So that's like that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just not. I'm not sure. Maybe I get you. David she is conniving. To maybe David flush did out it. the mole. What? Mm. No. Maybe David did it. Maybe no. it was Nina. No. Nope. <laughs> nope. Sorry. Uh, all right. You well, only think that Palmer has is a is a chess player. Uh, no. That man plays bad checkers. That's his only move. up for three. Um, to win the game right now. <laughs> to win the game. In our you eight. play um, to win. The game. Hey, I want to hear something fun. Just a little side note. Yeah. Arizona State University hired Herm Edwards as their head coach. 
And he couldn't remember the name of their mascot. Yeah, so a gentleman, a gentleman from Devil's Digest, which the Arizona State University mascot is the Sun Devils. Sun Devil. Said, I am here to ask you a question, Coach Devil's Digest. And he said, hey, I'm a Catholic now, Christian. Watch the devil stuff. <laughs> <laughs> which made for both the most uncomfortable and hilarious moment I have ever seen at a press conference. <laughs> he had to have that been is... joking, right? He had to have been. No, I don't think no. he was. I think that no, was he just. Wasn't. I saw his face. <sighs> he wasn't at all. <laughs> well, speaking of not joking, we cut back to the plane where Jack and Nina are sitting across the aisle from each other. Staring, Jack is staring into her 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 soul. Oh God, and this was deep. I'm going to read so you deep. this quote because it is. You have the whole thing. No, I don't want you to just. I, I don't want you to just read it, Kush. I want you, you to feel it. Become Jack Bauer. Yeah, man. You I was going this to because his. Uh, yeah, I, I'll get. I'll I, get. I, let me give it gravelly. I actually, I actually watched this. I watched this scene while looking at my own wife, and I felt it. Make me feel it again, Kush. You do it. Okay. Make me feel good. Uh, no, God, God, damn it, Michael. No, don't ever. No, don't bring that back up. Ever yeah, Michael, again. you save that. You, that's that's for Tilt and me reading erotica <laughs> to you. This is something entirely different. I don't want to picture Billy Bob throwing on top of anyone. That makes me feel horrible. Don't do that. Let Cush read the right. goddamn lines. <laughs> <clears throat> so Jack just clears his throat. And his voice is very gravelly, clearly full of emotion, which I am going to try to capture, but mm-hmm. I am not. Mm-hmm. I am not Kiefer Sutherland, so. Okay. Sunday, before you killed my wife, Terry and I went down to the boardwalk in Venice, watching the rollerbladers and musicians, laughing at the crazy people, spending time together. Terry sees a snow cone stand. She giggles like a kid, takes off running. She wants to get in line. She wants one. I remember watching her. I couldn't help myself. I looked up at her. She was talking with this old lady in line. Two of them were laughing. I remember thinking to myself, how the hell should do that? I just strike up a conversation with an absolute stranger, and they just start laughing. Like they've been friends forever. That's a gift. I remember thinking, God, I wish I could do that. But I can't. That was Terry, my wife. That's what he took from this world, Nina. That's what he took from me and my daughter. Just wanted you to know that. And then what do we hear? Hold on. I gotta say this. So, before we even get to the hearing thing, that was... They showed Nina's face after Jack said that. And the look on her face, I'm guessing that maybe that Sarah Clark played this perfectly, but it appeared as, it appeared, they made it appear as though she gave maybe half a fuck Mm -hmm. about Jack. She didn't give no or negative fucks. She gave a slight fuck. I don't believe her. About what he said. I do though, because at the end of last season. she She looked stern, but she didn't look unaffected. So before she killed Terry last season, like, I think when Terry walked into the room, she was, like, actually upset that Terry was even in the room because she knew she had to do it. And then when she got the order to, like, basically leave no trace, nothing that connects you to Germany and that she, Terry had hurt her, like, Nina seemed, like, upset that she had to do it. Not, like, not bothered or peeved that she had to kill someone for her job. Like, I don't think she wanted to kill Terry. And I, I, I think Jack, I think Nina was playing it tough that I don't think she wanted to, I think she gave half a fuck. I think she feels bad for actually killing Terry. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the face she gave was, was as pensive as a 
super spy killer could look <laughs> yeah. about something that she did, right? It's just, oh, yeah, I had there to do that There seemed to be one, some regret there, yeah. Yeah. But, anyway, so Nina so, stares at Jack in silence, and what do we hear? A missile? Sound of a missile, perhaps. Did they so right to the hear side of the plane? Then we hear something that sounds like an impact on the plane, some sort of explosion, mm-hmm. and everything goes into chaos. The plane starts tilting. One of the engines is suddenly trailing smoke, and Jack stands up and starts struggling towards the cockpit as everyone else on board braces against their seats. And we cut to three fifty nine and fifty nine seconds. So they got shot down. They got hit by a missile from where? That's insane. I know. How, so who would even know to have missiles set up? It's gotta be. It's gotta be a government job, right? Right. I who mean, gotta be a government knows, job. Who else knows where that plane is and who it's carrying? Very similar to what happened is, to the uh, helicopter, huh? Very similar to what happened to the helicopter, but also Nina said to go to San Diego. No one knew where that plane was going until Nina said go to San Diego from Vesalia. Right. There's got to be there's got to be someone on the inside in the plane then. In the plane possibly or or at CTU. Maybe there were, Yeah. It's also cuz I mean if Nina's in on this which I I don't know why anyone would say, "Hey, shoot down the plane I'm on just on the off chance that I survive it." Um but yeah, are they connected to Nina? Is it are they moles in CTU? What is happening? I mean, Nina worked with an organization that had her shot in the chest, right? I mean, Gaines true. didn't know who Nina was, but she got Mozambique in the chest without knowing what was going on. <laughs> so she seems to be a pretty good super spy, as it were. So who knows what she said, you know? Yeah, it's fair. Uh, well, I am, man, I kind of know what's coming. I think I remember what's coming. I like, I am super excited. For y'all, it. y'all, I know I say this a whole bunch on this show, and I'm probably going to say it for the years that we do this. But I don't trust nobody up in this piece. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. I trust Palmer because he's the simpleton. <laughs> I trust I trust Kim because she's not she's working towards simpleton. Um I trust Miguel below simpleton. I trust Miguel because he's a cooler Rick. Mm. Uh, I trust Rick the pool man because he's in California, not Florida. So there it is, Kush. Uh, and I trust Jack and maybe Tony, but everybody Tony's else. Tony's starting out. to earn it. Tony's yeah, starting to bit. earn that trust. A little bit. I mean, G Mace is dead, so I don't have to really say that I trust him. He's going to die. So it's I don't implied. think he's yeah. still undermining the country on the day he's going to die. Well, uh, how do you feel about G Mace starting to so, so show some like chaoticness in his like actions? I so for the mace, what I picked out of it was he doesn't know if his son is out of LA, right? So he's just like, you need to tell me what the fuck you know. Like I don't care anymore. I'm dead, but the person that I care about enough to have called him on my last day when I have two families to do, you know, also um, may still be in this city. So I need you to tell me what the fuck you know. Also, maybe to leave a legacy of to say I got this at least right at the end of my my career. So he's putting I, it all out there. I did like that Mason literally like loosened his tie before like going to strangle Rachel. Like, like he yeah, actually she, did the act of like I'm gonna button up my sleeves, loosen the tie, and just go to work. Right. It's it, it's funny because you look at. I mean, I know I got mad at you guys for watching both these seasons back to back like we have, 
um, and not having a break. But when you look at the juxtaposition of where Mason was, where he wouldn't even like go over a fence, he had to find the the way around said fence to get around. And now he's just like, fuck this, man, I'm done. You know, I think even I think maybe even with the sense of death looming over him, the fact that he hadn't been transferred to D.C. yet, he probably was in the same kind of mindset to be this kind of I don't give a fuck. But now it's just there's there's negative fucks to give. I need to save this city to save my legacy. So fuck y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, do no, tor- I, you know, torture I, I, people, for- kill this dude. I don't give a shit. We're going to get the answers. Yeah, so. I'm excited to know where G Mace takes us this season. I think I think he's got some surprises up his sleeves. Yeah. It's gonna be fun. All right. Uh so I think big things from this one, Bob Warner, apparently in the CIA, Kim hopefully going to jail and just being buried under it. Um and Jack on his way down to the ground from all the greatest heights. Oh, Curtis, I we didn't get a we didn't get a, a Tom Hankleton update. We did. I just didn't. Have, I never showed it to you. So I'll show you at least what was being watched in the background. Maybe you can see the actual uh, name up there on the screen behind. Larold, Larold Crown. There it is. Did anyone there see that movie? <laughs> well, if you like Tom Hanks as much as I do, you can find mm. out more information on this show at goodbuddymedia.com. Uh, uh, we put this show out every week, except for last week because um, we forgot. Um, but if you like this show, you can find out more information there. You can follow us on all sorts of good stuff. And, uh, if you like this show, you probably also like a show that Michael and I do called trends in low places where we break down really dumb internet stories every week that comes out every Thursday, uh, the day before this show. So, uh, go ahead and follow that one too. And, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to talk about something on the show or send a message to us or really just agree with me and really all my views on Tom Hanks, you can contact us at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. We read every message we get, and we love to hear from our fans. So um, if you want a message read or just want to share a fan theory or anything, just shoot us an email. And uh, Curtis, how else can people help us out? Yeah, folks, if you want to help us out, uh, go ahead and find our podcast, whether it be El Duel, Long Days of Our Lives, or Friends in Low Places on your podcast app of choice. Uh, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, however you get podcasts, subscribe to our shows. Please uh, rate, subscribe, and comment on our shows, and that would help us move the charts and become a podcast juggernaut and eventually, hopefully, get some sponsors for this deal um, so we can keep bringing you all this goodness and this craziness and this stupidity on a weekly basis uh, free of charge uh, and and help us actually get some some newer stuff on there. So, you know, maybe one day we'll do a show on West Wing. Or we'll just do a show about how dumb we all are. Should be fun. Well, you know, see what happens. But um, other than that, Michael, how can the folks find us and help us out on the old social medias? And I am your third and final host, Michael Howard. (laughs) Yep. Nailed it. (laughs) And you can find us on (laughs) all social medias at LDuelCast, L-D-O-O-L-Cast, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and when you see us post something on there, especially if it's about the new show, please retweet it. Um, you can also, uh, reach us there, especially at Facebook. We, we respond to all of, all of your beautiful messages and your words of encouragement. And, uh, you know, if we get anything wrong on here or we, we express some, um, some, uh, correct views on Tom Hanks. (laughs) Fuck you. Okay. Some confusion. I didn't say who. I, I, didn't, oh. I didn't say who expressed them, Curtis. Some confusion over <laughs> why 
something might be going down. And you, if you do know why, please let us know. Um, we love to hear from you guys. Also, if you know anyone on the cast of 24, cast or crew, please put us in touch. Oh, please. That would be amazing. Because I really Maybe want to know what... <laughs> just, just some of them. I want to know... <laughs> I want to know what Xander Berkeley thinks about Tom Hanks. I want to know what I Xander Berkeley thinks about pretty much literally anything. anything. Yeah, literally I'm kind, anything. I'm kind of afraid to have Dennis Haysbert find out what I say about his character, so I don't, you know, I don't want Pickers to run around after my ass right now, so I'm good. If you hey, just... Dennis, you're a real dumb simpleton, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, fellas, I think it's that's going to do it for us this week. <laughs> on the longest days of our lives. Uh, gentlemen, we're running out of time. Toodles! <laughs>